NIL and the transfer portal remain a hot topic in college football. We've got Ross Dellinger's thoughts. We're going to have Josh's thoughts. And, hey, Big Game Bob had something to say about it on The Rush on 94.7 FM as well. We'll talk about that. Plus, we've got a couple of Oklahoma Sooners that are getting first-round buzz for the 2023 NFL Draft. We'll talk about that in the third segment as well on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Sooners Nation, and welcome to the Thursday edition of Locked On Sooners. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline is where the game starts. And thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can also read my work covering the Oklahoma Sooners over at thesoonerswire.com. And joining me as he does every day is Josh Helmer from 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Sports Talk 1400 out of Oklahoma City. You can hear him from Monday through Friday from 9 to noon with Chris Plank. You can also follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. Josh, some big happenings happening in college football. But how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. I uh, hope you are as well. I saw you start buzzing out there. Looks like one of your hot takes has made its way into the interwebs, which, hey, that's always great, right? Yeah, and in case you don't follow me on Twitter, you're missing out because right now it's it's a hot topic. And I basically said that Jordan Addison's his interest in Oklahoma, or Texas and Alabama is akin to Caleb Williams' interest in LSU and Wisconsin in that it wasn't something that was put out there until we first heard of the potential that he might be going to USC with a huge NIL deal to follow when he wasn't even in the transfer portal yet. So. I'm not here to say in conspiracy theory fashion that Alabama and Texas are only being considered because of what came out to begin with, but it looks a lot like that. And I mean, yes, he's throwing with Bryce Young out there in California, but they're in California. They're not in Alabama. And kids work out together all the time. NFL players from different teams work out together all the time. That doesn't mean they're going to play together. and. Just saying, don't be surprised if the Alabama and Texas smokescreen was just that, like Wisconsin was. I did a whole episode back in February about maybe Wisconsin, and sure enough, there was no no legs to Wisconsin at all. So just fool me once, Lincoln Riley. Shame on me. Fool me twice. It's not happening. So let's talk transfer portal NIL. Ross Dellinger, Sports Illustrated had a really interesting article. Basically, the NCAA is looking to pull back the reins on NIL and how it really is being enacted outside of the intention of what it was supposed to be. Yeah, no, I think this is an exciting report for everybody out there that, quite frankly, doesn't like the direction that a lot of this has been headed with essentially pay-for-play. Let, let's call it what it is. Pay-for-signees. Uh, pay Hey, maybe that's happened in the past in college football, but to outright have seven-figure deals in place to convince, entice players to sign with schools, or for a player like Jordan Addison, before he's even put his name into the transfer portal, if there's all of a sudden 
numbers and figures being thrown his way, and he's been a productive player at Pitt. And all of a sudden, you know, thinking about what you said right there off the top, if there's this textbook that Lincoln Riley and USC, similar to how they went about luring Caleb Williams away from Oklahoma, if the textbook is, you know, X, Y, Z, these are the things that we do, then you shouldn't be able to do those things until players in the transfer portal, which, you know, with Caleb Williams, at least it appears that that's how that played out, right? That it was, it was until Caleb Williams was in the transfer portal. Obviously that situation is a lot different because Lincoln Riley coached Caleb Williams directly at the university of Oklahoma. This Dellinger report though, to me, it's uh, it's an attack, right? It's an attack on tampering. It's administrators, a group of 200 or so, saying, enough's enough, man. We can't have this in college football. And for the NCAA, who really, it sounded like last week, was kind of just saying, laissez-faire, hands off, we're not involved in this, nothing to see over here with us anymore. I think this is a really positive development for everybody out there that feels like the Addison situation, there's been some serious tampering involved, and that, hey, uh, whether or not you feel that way about Caleb Williams or some of these other players for Oklahoma, that it happened there too. So if you're in that camp that you feel like there's some serious tampering problems in the game of college football, it sounds like there's work being done based on this Ross Dellinger report that administrators are trying to establish a task force to basically fight just that. The question I have for you, John, is, how do they fight that? Can they fight that? What does that look like? I think it's going to be really fascinating to see the first kind of test case on this because they mentioned in the Ross or a Ross Dellinger mentioned in his story about it that they're looking to just reinforce the idea that boosters are considered extensions of the university. They're not independent. They they don't have this outside uh, influence they're considered by NCAA bylaws part of the university. So if a booster is out there making recruiting pitches to players that are currently enrolled at a university, not in the transfer portal, then potentially there's NCAA violations as far as tampering goes. And from everything that we've seen, Jordan Addison was getting offers on the down low. Colin Coward mentioned $3 million from somewhere. Now, it, it's not going to be from Lincoln Riley. He's too smart for that. It's not going to be from Dennis Simmons, a wide receiver coach at USC. Could it have gone through Caleb Williams, who, according to, you know, I can't remember if it was Pete Thamel or Dennis Dodd, one of the two, you know, put the connection together that they're both DMV guys from Maryland. Could it be through an agent? Could it be through a booster? I mean, there's a lot of different avenues in which this could have come through. But... Man, it's got to do something. And I think the first step is just saying, hey, listen, boosters, you're not exempt from our purview. You're not exempt from the, the idea that you're part of the university. If you're donating to a university, you're a booster, you're connected. And we can come after a university because of your dealings. We've seen it happen in the past, whether it was SMU back in the 80s. You know, like these boosters are potentially going to get these universities into hot water. If they're not careful, if they're not, you know, following the rules and being very careful in the wording of the, the NIL language, I think the issue is that when even state legislators were passing NIL, this is not what they had in mind. This pay-for-play idea where, a, you know, pe- people and collectives could put forth a big sum of money to get a guy to come to their university. That's not what they had in mind. 
what they had in mind is the stuff that like Terrell Pryor in Oklahoma State, or sorry, not Oklahoma State, Ohio State got punished four years ago where he traded an autographed jersey for a tattoo, you know, or Rhett Bomar, like getting a car, you know, like Spencer Rattler got two cars last year and he promoted a local car dealership. Like that is kind of the textbook idea of what NIL should look like. Or Jocelyn Allo getting a, 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 a merchandise deal with the University of Oklahoma to sell Jocelyn Allo t-shirts and jerseys and getting a cut of that. That's what that's supposed to look like. Making appearances for, even, even if it's Caleb Williams and Beats by Dre, like he's doing something that's promoting a product and he's going to earn something from it. It's not just this, hey, come to play for our university. We got $3 million waiting for you. How? Like lay that out, spell it out in detail, how he's going to earn that $3 million in name, image, and likeness as more than just come play football at University of South, uh, Southern California and you'll get $3 million. Totally with you. I mean, I think that's where everybody wants this to get back to. For stars of the game, really any sport in college, I think you and I have been in lockstep with the idea that, hey, if you're a superstar, even if you're not one of the superstars on campus, just as you know, a member of the college football team or women's college basketball team or softball team, whichever program you want to say, wrestling, whatever, it doesn't matter. You have the right to profit off of your name, image, and likeness if that opportunity is available to you and somebody you know, is willing to pay you for your name, image, and likeness. But the idea that you can toss a million dollars or more than that at a recruit to sign somewhere, or worse than that, what's going on with Jordan Addison, where you have an established player at, let's call it what it is, Pitt is not USC. They're not right. Oklahoma. They're not Alabama. It is not good for the health of the sport when programs like Pittsburgh, Kansas State, TCU, Texas Tech, just talking schools that we are all familiar with, when they start just getting picked off their talented players, I think about a guy like Deuce Vaughn at Kansas State. If somebody just is able to throw figures at him and all of a sudden he leaves Kansas State, you know, eventually the health of college football gets into jeopardy because Kansas State fans, if that's the reality that they wind up living in, uh, in the here and now and in the future moving forward, then guess what? Everybody, even the Oklahomas and Texases of the, of the world, eventually get hurt because those fans are going to turn, tune out. That's just where this thing is headed if it stays on the course it's going. So with tampering right now, it's a level two violation, John. Yeah, I was listening to Max Olson and Andy Staples' podcast. Chris Plank and I discussed it this morning on the show. It's a level two violation, and I agree with those guys on that podcast. They need to up that to a level one violation, and they need to treat this thing seriously and attack it when you have situations like what USC and maybe some of these other schools. Let's not just make it about USC. Lincoln Riley, he looks like the big uh, face of the villain in this deal, but it's probably not just him that's going after players that haven't entered the transfer portal that are tampering in that respect. It needs to be a show-cause penalty. There need to be serious scholarship ramifications. There need to be bowl bans involved for schools that do this, and that's how you fix college football moving forward. Well, I think we're seeing it at several institutions, not just USC. At Texas A&M, a lot of their recruiting class is built on NIL. Texas, their offensive line recruiting class for 2022, the same thing. Tennessee just landed the top quarterback prospect, in, or at least one of the top quarterback prospects in 2023, who rumored through an athletic article, maybe he's the kid that's going to be getting that, what is it, $5 million or $8 million NIL deal? Maybe don't let these kids 
sign deals until they're actually enrolled on campus because you know and we saw it with Nigel Pack in Kansas State like he went from arguably a, an equal program to Miami he left from Kansas State to go to Miami Miami's a bigger media market yes but as far as level of college basketball programs I'd say they're pretty similar over the last you know decade or so and so yeah it's it's something that is going to have to be taken very seriously by the NCAA. And I think part of the reason, and maybe we can talk about this a little bit more on the other side, but part of the reason that they're taking this seriously now is you've had several coaches now over the last couple of weeks talk about maybe the future is outside of the NCAA. Maybe college football is heading to a big super league away from the NCAA. The NCAA listens to that stuff and they realize that's going to affect their bottom dollar and the bottom dollar for not just college football, but a lot of important athletic opportunities across the country. And we'll talk a little bit more about that after I talk to you about BetOnline. BetOnline is your number one source for all your sports betting stats and info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball, and this weekend's run to the roses as the Kentucky Derby is back. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline is where the game starts. And thank you so much for making Lockdown Sooners your first listen every single day. We are free and available on all podcast platforms. You can also check us out on YouTube. Subscribe to the show over there. Leave us a comment. Give us a like and hit the notification bell to let you know when new videos drop. So Josh, do you think that there's any potential... Um, insinuation that could be made that all these coaches or several coaches speaking out saying we're looking at like a 50-team Super League or a 32-team Super League in the 2030s. Maybe that's gotten the NCAA's attention saying, hey, we actually got to do something about this now. You know, I actually think there's an avenue for both the NCAA and that Super League potentially that you're talking about or just kind of where we've sort of been right now but maybe the NCAA is not a punishing arm anymore. It's not really your governance body. Gene Smith, uh, via, you know, with Ohio State, talked a little bit about this. And here's what I told Plank on air. You know, brainstorming season is over. It's got to be done. Mm-hmm. It, it's time to put some things into action. I liked what Gene Smith said that, hey, maybe we take some of this away from the NCAA and a, a group of Power Five administrators or conference presidents, however you want to do it, whether it's the commissioners of the five leagues, sort of, sort of work as an oversight committee and put some rules and regulations into into place. That's fine uh, if that's going to be a quicker process than some of these investigations we've seen in the past play out with the NCAA. If it's going to be more fair across the board, I just think about you know obviously what happened to Oklahoma State and what still hasn't really happened to the University of Kansas. I mean, they're coming off a national championship in basketball. They got to play in the tournament. It was no big deal. And meanwhile, they were linked to the FBI wiretap. So it needs to be standard across the board. And the idea that they can get these people in a room and just talk and spend all this time trying to toss ideas around. Again, brainstorming season is over. It's time to start having some actionable ideas and not let this tampering take place in college football, in college basketball, and to start having some concrete thoughts on what the college football playoffs future is going to look like, and uh, a a number of other issues, right? Name, image, likeness. Uh, We've talked about that. Transfer portal, when you can put your name in and out. I mean, it's, it's time to go. 
Yeah. And then one thing on the transfer portal, we can kind of turn the page on that, is it looks like they're looking at a transfer window similar to what maybe the European soccer leagues have, where there's there are a couple months now in European soccer they they have two transfer windows. They have one in the season and they have one out of season. But I think for college football it would be strictly out of season. They're looking at I can't remember the exact dates, but I believe it was like early spring, sometime, you know, January to March, and then late April, like after the spring practice, spring game, and then just for like a couple of weeks after that, like an early you're not gonna be able once you once that deadline hits, like there's no more transferring or you're sitting out. And I think that's that's gonna be an important thing for them to look into because they've got to do something about the transfer portal too, because the NIL transfer portal, it's all interweaved. And listen, I'm pro transfer portal. I'm pro NIL, but what we've got now is just a little bit out of hand. I was talking to a friend at work today, just remind we, we were reminded of there's thousand kids in the transfer portal. What kind of a decision is that for them? They're walking away from scholarships to look for better opportunities that aren't there because you're seeing the stars of the power five moving around so much. They're taking up those opportunities where, you know, a kid might get lost in the shuffle. And so the transfer portal is a little bit out of hand. And before, and I, I, I should give you an opportunity to respond to this. So go ahead and share your thoughts just on that transfer portal, where we're headed before we talk about what Bob Stoops had to say about some of this. Well, I mean, I, I do think that's important, again, to have the structure in place of certain set time intervals of when you can put your name into the portal and when you can't. I just re- removing some of the uncertainty of all of that would be good. I don't think we're ever going back to the place where you have to sit out a year. I can't tell you how many times we get that submission on the text line at the, the Rep Radio Network or somebody calls in with that. Folks, it's not coming back. There's not going to be the sit out of season anymore. That's not the existence we live in. The best we're going to get is some set windows of when you can put your name in or out of the transfer portal. And that'll be good. You know, the sad reality that you were talking about right there, John, is, and probably it's not covered enough. There's a lot of folks that, you know, uh, it's it's a little mysterious, the transfer portal, right? They didn't come back out of it. I'm trying to think. Uh, it's the twilight zone, right? It's like, what yeah. happened when you went into the twilight zone? They didn't come back out. That's that's a reality. I mean, there's some players that that's happened to. And, you know, I don't know if having the set intervals where you can put your name in and out, if that will deter a couple more players. I'm not totally convinced that it will. But if it does... You know, I do think that's a positive just based on on that, that, look, there's some folks that are putting their name in the portal and they're not coming back out. I think of a guy like Justin Harrington who put his name into the, into the transfer portal but came back to Oklahoma not on scholarship. Like, he had to walk back on. Brent Venable said he had to earn his role back because he walked away. And, I, and there's a lot of kids that are sitting out there like that. You know, they, they might want to return, but in order to save face, they're going to have to go and earn their spot. And uh, so lastly, on this NIL topic, before we talk about some first round uh, picks or some Oklahoma Sooners who have some potential first round buzz uh, next year, let's hear what Bob Stoops had to say. And if you're watching on YouTube, I got the quote there for you. But um, if you're listening on the podcast, here's what Bob had to say. The bottom line, be careful what you wish for. It's totally different than what we've been used to. My opinion, we need a new leadership group. The NCAA, the way it's been, has really failed overall. Who goes by rules anymore and how they enforce it just seems so ambiguous. Look at Oklahoma State and their basketball program and what happened to them and so wrong. And then other teams, nothing happens to them. I'm not pointing fingers at anyone. It happens in football too. 
I've been very disillusioned for a long, long time on the NCAA, just through my football years and how they enforce some things. Or don't. Right. Yeah, yeah, he's right. I mean, I feel like he's got a really clear picture of what the NCAA isn't doing. You know, the other thing that he mentioned to Tyler McComas and Teddy Lavin, give those guys proper credit. Yeah, absolutely. You Thank always, you. I meant to do that. Sorry. You should always be listening to both of those guys from uh, 3 to 6 p.m. on the rush, on the rep, 94.7 FM. Those guys, man, he, he told them that, you know, maybe you need a czar of college football, right? Maybe we're going to arrive at the point where there's a salary cap in college football. Hey, and there's the, there's the quote, right? Quote, maybe we need to have a new league of power five teams that have their own league and their own commissioner and governing board. From afar, it looks like right now, nobody has control of anything. It's just have at it. I don't know if that's ever, if that's ever good. Even the National Football League has rules, restrictions, guidelines, salary caps, all of that. Right now, I don't know if college football has any of that, so have at it. End quote. Yeah, I mean, he's saying if it's going to be a free-for-all, let it be a free-for-all. But, I mean, he's he's already saying it's not good for the future of college football for it to be this wild, wild west mentality. Yeah, and I guess the question becomes, if we do wind up in that place, which would be a positive step, I think, for college football, if you have a quote-unquote commissioner – for the sport, uh, if you, I mean, a salary cap though, legitimately, I mean, could we get to that point? Or I, I don't know if it would function. I mean, it would have a similar purpose as a salary cap, but a name image likeness cap. I just, I think everybody's so spooked, John. And I think we've seen this with the NCAA in a lot of the ways that they've kind of handled things from the COVID pandemic on, right? Everybody's been spooked about, how, how can I avoid a lawsuit? And so the idea that all of a sudden you're going to put a, a cap potentially on folks earning and profiting from their name, image, and likeness after you've kind of sent us down the path that now we're going, man, I, maybe there's a way or a method to get to that point. Right now, though, I don't know if I see a quote-unquote salary cap in college football. I don't see it either. I just don't know how you, first of all, create a level playing field with the salary cap and enforce it. I mean, then we go back to some of the under the table dealings and then you're also putting caps on what the kids can earn in NIL, which is not necessarily what NIL was created to do anyway. It was to create opportunities for kids to earn in name, image and likeness, creating a salary cap or, you know, a salary restriction. That's that again, defeats the purpose of NIL where a guy like Caleb Williams can sign a deal with beats by Dre and earn a, a good income by promoting the product. Like kudos to him for being able to get some beats by Dre, do some social media stuff, some you know promotional stuff. And he earns a, a nice figure from that. And that's okay. Like that's, I think that's the intention of it. Like legitimate businesses offering legitimate promotional opportunities for the player that they're signing on and paying legitimate money for it, as opposed to the collective idea or, you know, just the, the boosters idea. It, that's where it creates a really nebulous, um, uncertainty for college football where it, it gets really dangerous. It's a big, dangerous game that everybody's kind of wading into because of the boosters, because of guys like John Ruiz down in Miami who are using their companies as a kind of a shield for recruiting players to, to the school that they support. So 
it's it's fascinating. We'll continue to follow it here on Locked On Sooners because it's not going to be a discussion that ends anytime soon. We're going to continue to have discussions about this because it's going to be an ever-evolving institution as part of college football. We may not like where it's at. Hopefully, where it's headed is something we'll enjoy better or we'll at least be able to, to stomach a little bit better. But where we're at now, it's it's got to change. And I think, Josh, you agree with that as well, right? Yeah, I mean, we need some sort of some sort of bumpers, you know, it, it, to use a bowling analogy, you know, you know, you're not going to be able to throw a strike right down the middle every single time. It yeah. is uh, a little bit of a kitty lane and we need some, some bumpers here. Yeah. So coming up next, we got a couple Sooners that are getting some first round buzz in the 2023 NFL draft. One won't be very surprising. The other one might surprise you. We'll talk about that on the other side here on locked on Sooners. All right, Josh. We got first round buzz for a couple of Oklahoma Sooners. We talked about one the other day when we were talking about the guy we thought might be the the highest pick for the Oklahoma Sooners in the 2023 NFL draft. And that's Marvin Mims. He's already been mocked in the first round by a couple sources. CBS Sports had a first round mock draft and where he went to the Dallas Cowboys and hooked up with CeeDee Lamb, which I thought was pretty interesting. As a Dallas Cowboys fan, I'd like that a little bit. Uh, and then Fox uh, Sports put out a mock draft as well where he went to the Buffalo Bills, teaming up with Stefan Diggs. Also, another great landing spot. So, any surprise to you that Marvin Bims is being mocked in the first round in these early, early, way too early mock drafts? Well, first of all, you know, you as a Dallas Cowboys fan, I mean, come on, yeah, that that should fire you up, the idea of Marvin Mims and C.D. Lamb playing together. I mean, that's, that's pretty exciting. The other landing spot, I mean, man, sounds pretty tasty, too. That's the good thing for Marvin Mims is because he's not, you know, I don't know, pick whichever receiver you want out there to compare him to. That's your quote unquote prototypical Randy Moss type receiver because he's not really that he's a little slider statured uh, kind of probably lends itself to him not really being a top 15 top 10 pick. So the result of that is if he's still a first round draft pick, he's going somewhere good like yeah. Dallas or Buffalo, and he's going to play right away with the team that's positioned, I think, either of those two, uh, built to make deep playoff runs and potentially capture a Lombardi trophy. So I love that. So who's the other Sooner? I've, we talked a little bit. You know, I think the first name I threw out was Jalen Redmond. Maybe. Is that correct or no? No. So I'm going to let you – maybe we won't guess. I'm not going to make you guess, but it's Anton Yeah, because then I'll look like a moron. Yeah, it's Anton Harrison, and this shocked me. I, I had to scroll through it a couple times mm. when I saw it because I thought, I mean, Anton Harrison, he's a good player, but are we really thinking about him as a first-round uh, NFL draft pick? That's that's a bit surprising to me. And it was over on Pro Football Focus, who they love them some Oklahoma Sooners. I'm not going to lie. They always have Nick Bonito ranked really high in mock drafts or rankings, things like that. But Anton Harrison, in their – early 2023 NFL mock draft uh, at Pro Football Focus. This was written by uh, Michael Renner, who is a great draft analyst for them. Has Anton Harrison going number 11 overall to the Pittsburgh Steelers? And this is what he had to say. He said, Harrison is an athletic six foot five, 309 pounder, who's already shown well in pass protection in his first year as a full-time starter. Harrison earned an 85.6 pass blocking grade. We know it's a passing league, the NFL. You've got to be able to pass protect. Is it possible, Harrison, first-round NFL draft pick next year? Oh, I think it's possible, but, 
I'm surprised to hear that about Anton Harrison. We do know, remember, uh, who is it? Bruce Feldman, right? He was on the Franks list before last season. Anton Harrison was because of, uh, I guess his speed, right? He, he, he runs well for his size. So six foot five, right around that 300 and probably could add weight if he wanted to. So the dimensions for Anton Harrison sounds like an NFL left or right tackle, just the six foot five and 300 plus the, you know, the, the speed, I guess, that he has would translate well at a professional level. I'm just saying I haven't seen Anton Harrison at the University of Oklahoma. To me, show me that Orlando Brown type dominance that we've seen in recent memory. So, man, I'm going to pump the brakes on that just a smidge. But uh, I'd love to see it, man. I'm, I'm pulling for it, Anton. I want to see it. Go make it happen. Yeah, I was like I said, I was a bit surprised by it, and I, and I think he has the opportunity to earn that spot this year if they have a big year at Oklahoma, and he has a really nice year as an offensive tackle, pass protecting for Dylan Gabriel. You know, it'd be the front side if he ends up playing left tackle as opposed to the blind side where he was playing on last year, um, just because Dylan Gabriel's a lefty. But yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see. I, you know, Oklahoma, he's probably going to be the highest picked Oklahoma sooner. But I mean, Chris Murray. He's a guy that played really well last year and has a chance to, you know, even improve his draft stock with another solid season this year. But yeah, a bit surprising to me to see Anton Harrison. The other nugget in that was that he was the first offensive lineman taken. Not just that he was taken at 11 overall, but he was the first offensive lineman taken. And just for fun, let's run down this, the, the top 10, uh, that went ahead of him. We had Bryce Young, Alabama going to the Houston Texans at number one. No surprise there. Will Anderson, edge rusher, Alabama going to the Atlanta Falcons. Also not much of a surprise because they took Desmond Ritter in the 2022 NFL draft. They're not necessarily going to be shopping quarterback. Then you got Jalen Carter from Georgia, defensive lineman, going number three to the Jets. Uh, again, the Jets have Zach Wilson. They're not going to be shopping for a quarterback. And then you got C.J. Stroud going to the Lions at number four, which looks like a great landing spot for him. They just drafted Jamison Williams. So that could be really, really tasty for him as a landing spot. Got Eric Gilbert of Georgia, the tight end, going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Then Tanner McKee of Stanford going to Carolina. And that one, I'm I'm going to have to watch him a little bit because I, I'm not thinking much of Stanford as having top talent heading into the year. But you never know, Stanford surprises. Jacqueline Roy out of LSU going to the Giants. Will Levis from Kentucky going to Seattle at number eight. Kayshawn Boot. Uh, from LSU going to Chicago and then Antonio Johnson and Texas A&M going to Washington. So four quarterbacks in the top 10, several defensive players, Will Anderson, uh, the edge rusher from Alabama, who was in the Heisman voting last year, um, probably going to be somebody who at least gets some votes this year. Uh, going to be one of the best defensive players in the NFL or in, in college football as he goes into the NFL. So yeah, who knows, man, Anton Harrison, he might be able to work himself up there with a solid year this year. Would be great to see. Would be great to see he and Marvin both. And who knows, Jalen Redmond has a, a dominant season or one of the these other defensive linemen. Key Loris, uh, that, you know, that's another name I tossed out there that if he just looks really, really good in the defensive backfield all year for Oklahoma, he's, again, somebody that has the type of size, I think, to be intriguing to a lot of teams at the professional level. So let's hope it's just a parade of Sooners in the first and second rounds. Yeah, I mean, I think after having seven this year, there's a good chance they have another handful at least uh, get drafted next year, if not more. So that'll be fun to watch and fun to monitor as the 2022 season goes along and we start 
or next spring we get into the 2023 NFL draft coverage. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks for tuning in. You can always find the show wherever you get your podcasts. It's free and available on all platforms. You can also check it out on YouTube as well. Leave us a comment. Hit the like button. Hit the notification bell. Let people know or let you know when a new episode drops. Share it with your friends and your family as well. Check us out on Facebook, Locked On Sooners, on Twitter, at Locked On Sooners. You can find Josh there, at Josh on Ref, and myself, at John Nine Williams. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Boomer Sooner.